Live from Salt Lake City, this is Heart of the Matter, where we do all we can to try to get people to walk toward his love. I mean, what does that look like? Those pictures kind of show some of it, but walk toward his love. You're not walking toward his anger. Walk toward his love. I'm Sean McCraney, your host. Let's begin with a word of prayer. We need it. Lord God in heaven, we thank you for loving us so much. You gave us your only begotten son and that he came and did what we could not do. And we just pray that we will um, turn to that, turn to that love, turn to that grace and uh, walk in the freedom and liberty that that provides. We pray for uh, Seth and Wendy and Kathy, Maggie and Mary and everybody involved in keeping things going in the ministry. We pray for people who tune in, who are seeking for truth, that they will not buy into the things I say that are wrong. They will test all things. They will seek your spirit and they'll glom on to only the things that are of you. That's our hope. We pray for this now in Jesus name. Amen. This is the call in part. I want to thank you guys who watched last night. That's the presentation part. And on Monday nights, you're going to get the presentation part half an hour long about. Seth and I pre-record the the presentation part. So last night we aired it. And I think there's been close to 700 views of that already since last night. And then you guys are now are invited to call in and uh and and talk to us about the things you're thinking, the things you disagree with or your opinions or you can write in, you can write in online, you can write us emails, whatever you want to do. Uh really just want to talk with you about your thoughts and I'm going to get to your online comments tonight. That's going to be the first thing we hit before we even hit emails. A couple of items first. I had an opportunity to interview um, Angela Kelly this afternoon. Seth and Wendy are going to begin posting it uh, probably within a month. We're going to let you know. And, uh, man, it was good. Part one was all about her. We try to find out about the, the, the speaker and presenter. But part two really blew my mind with her wisdom and knowledge on the subject of polygamy and child sexual abuse, um, child abuse in general. So she really has some amazing insights on this topic, which you don't typically hear anywhere else. So uh, look for that. We'll tell you when it's coming out. That's Angela Kelly in the next while. Additionally, we want to remind all of you that you can tune in live any Sunday you want from your couch, in your curlers, and without makeup, men. And um, no one even got that. That was some of some good stuff. Uh, you don't have to pay to watch. You don't have to show up. You can watch from your couch. You can show up here. You can watch in the archives. Milk, 10 a.m. live Mountain Time. Meet, 2.30 Mountain Time. We go verse by verse through a book of the Bible. We try to talk about it at the end. We have a Q&A and people bring up good points. Just go to campuschurch.tv and you can see it uh, uh, and you can get to it from our website at Heart of the Matter. Also, we have a number of books out. They're in hard copy. They're in PDF form. Some are in audio book. You can get them from our website, hotm.faith. Scroll down. They're available. And we're putting more and more on audio. Uh, Seth has put out uh, Knife to a Gunfight. Uh, I read it. 
He's putting, he and Wendy are putting it out in segments. And I think there's a couple more chapters and opening you up to the concepts that are in that. So we're constantly working on things to help educate and inform people on, uh, all things Christian. One of those things that we're calling the TVAR, that's the Transversional Apostolic Record. It's going to take some time to get used to that title. Uh, this is just a, uh, another transversion, translation version of the New Testament, essentially put. I give you a money-back guarantee, though you're not going to be able to uh, get a hold of it for four more years. A money-back guarantee that you'll be blown away by the content the information that's going to come with this New Testament uh, uh, Bible. So guaranteed. So pray for the development of it. Uh, It is an interesting task. If you go to the website at the top of the menu, you click on the menu and it will say TVAR. And there's three videos that explain what we're doing with that. It's a project I do behind the scenes and work on it. So finally, I want to promote to you three important ministries that I personally fully endorse that I have zero input on, by the way. I don't tell them how to operate it. I don't choose their material. I don't do anything with content. I say this because there are people out there saying that I'm the puppet master behind one or two of these uh, ministries, and I am not whatsoever. I support them, but that's it. The first are video interviews by... uh, 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 of former LDS people by Bishop Earl Erskine, who was formerly a bishop. That's exmormonfiles.com. And the site is so important because it has an LDS, a former LDS bishop who has come to know the Lord sharing with other Mormons and them, former Mormons, sharing with him how Jesus uh, has played such an important role in their transition out of the Mormon church. And it's so important in this day and age because we have so many people hemorrhaging out of uh, Mormonism that are just going on the wayside soil and the, the byways and highways of atheism. And so Earl does a fantastic job of... So if you are wondering, is there anything in Jesus or whatever, watch Earl's interviews on this uh, channel because it's uh, really good. The second ministry is TalkingToMormons.com. And what a resource. It's informative. It's very entertaining. It's animation. And they put dialogue to animated characters. Very accurate. Stocked full of information. It's another tool that speaks to LDS uh, relative to the Bible. What the Bible says and what the LDS teach. And there is a lot there. Uh, at right now, and what I've said so far, both of those ministries are run by people who have been LDS. And that's important. There are some ministries out there that are big, and they're run by people who have never been LDS. They're intellectually smart. They get the doctrines, and they can they attack it or whatever they do with it. But they were never LDS. And if you haven't been LDS, it's really difficult to understand what is going on in the mindset and the heart of people who are actively involved. So uh, it's, that's an important part. Uh, TalkingToMormons.com. Finally, a site I love. It's been established to help people uh, vet the churches that advertise themselves as biblically Christian. 
It's called checkmychurch.org, checkmychurch.org. And it evaluates the practices, teachings, the pastors of Christian churches and ministries, primarily here in Utah and some in Idaho. This is run uh, by the courageous efforts of Sarah and Joe, husband and wife team. Uh, they have been in Christianity since yay high. They've seen all the games. They know the score and they give pastors every opportunity to provide a reasonable defense for the things that they are saying, teaching, demanding of their congregates. Um, so they are out to help inform and protect people who are looking for a good church and want to see what uh, an unbiased view is. Now, it's unbiased in this sense. They have five categories that they assess. It's not doctrinal. So you can be a Calvinist, you can be an Arminianist, you can be a, a, a charismatic, a healing people on the stage. That's stuff they don't address. They just talk about the five categories. Check my church. Okay, so last night I talked about the general topic of the Lord's Supper, also called communion, also called the Eucharist, and called by the Latter-day Saints sacrament in their sacrament meeting. And tonight uh, I'm going to follow up with taking on calls 801-590-8413, 801-590-8413. But first I want to... I want to incorporate the online comments and I have them kind of categorized and I'll run through them quickly. We have a couple callers on the air waiting. So that's Andy and Kathy. So let me just tell you, Matt Houts, Matt H said, keep it up, Sean. You're changing hearts and spreading the real good news. Now, these are just generally supportive comments. Ex-Mormon for Christ alone wrote, so excited for the new format. Dean said, good presentation, loved it. Uh, Melissa wrote, great show always, Sean, like this new format approach using and pulling straight from the Bible as always. Shamoa wrote, uh, HOTM, the thinking man's thinking woman's church. And finally, Adnan said, thank you, Sean, for continued pursuit of teaching the truth. I've grown a lot in my walk in faith from hearing your teachings from campus. In some instances, I've grown by testing the things you teach. I love that. You should test everything that is questionable in your mind of what a person says. And I, uh, I test and I finally, and trying to find fault in it, he says. Uh, although it ends up often realizing a lot more logic and truth in what you taught than I knew. Thank you uh, to Adnan Dean, ex-Mormons for Christ and love. Uh, uh, alone, Melissa, Matt, and Shamoa. All right, uh, the, the pro-communion comments are these. Patrick, who actually comes to campus, said, The communion is important to me, not a law of commandment, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Now, Patrick wrote that here at campus, we don't do communion. Uh, we do it if someone requests it. Patrick's requested it before, and we'll do it then. If the, somebody in the church wants to do communion, we'll do it. But it's interesting that he posted, it's important to me. You see what, what we're trying to do. If something's important, you want it, we can do it. He goes to other churches and does it. That's all right. J. Huff Humble wrote, the sacrament is symbolic and a beautiful practice to honor Christ and develop self-mastery. I am born again. I take the sacrament. And because he's used sacrament twice here, I'm guessing he's LDS. I take the sacrament because it keeps me closer to Jesus Christ. I've studied martial arts and the power of music all my life. The sacrament is like learning a kata or fine-tuning a piano. It is a way of expressing my love to Jesus Christ. And it incidentally teaches me self-mastery. I hope he would call in and tell us how that works. Moira in England 
wrote, just wanted to say hi, Sean, the sacrament to me is a wonderful gift. Regardless of denomination, I am a convert to the church, therefore I can appreciate both sides. This act to me restores one determination to serve Jesus Christ and gives the participant a newness of strength. These are inside scoops. Moira's been following us for a while from England. She's LDS, and she's just simply saying, I love this practice that we do. Do we allow them to do that? Of course we do. That is a, that's something that you just say, okay. You know, she says, not the act, it's self I can't understand that one. It's in the spiritual that we are changed, invigorated, set apart for a better word. Of course, all this is based on my personal experience and no way mean to offend anybody. Thank you, Sean, for your show. Pleasure to watch. I've learned so much. I know Jesus is my Savior and that his love is in me and I love him with all my heart. Bless you. Shalom. And then finally, T1325T says, Sean, correct me if I'm wrong, but not all the scriptures point to, but all the scriptures point to unleavened bread. Uh, I think all of them don't point to always unleavened bread. There is bread in uh, the scripture that's not unleavened. But when it's talking about uh, communion and it's talking about the temple bread, yes. And when it's talking about the high holidays of the Jews, yes. Not bread with leavening agents such as yeast. Yeast represents sin, causing the bread to rise and become puffed up. Pride being a form of a sin. The fruit of the vine being wine to represent his blood, their by partaking of the body without sin, unleavened bread, and blood for atonement, the vine of David, to help us remember and cause to reflect what Christ has done. I believe the sacrament should be continued as the early church practiced it, but not necessarily obsessed over, uh, nor should it be ritualistic or for us to go through the motions. So again, he's uh, saying from the heart. What Christ wants more of us is a broken heart, contrite spirit with sincere repentance and to love one another. Uh, yes, unfortunately, the sacrament has been altered in overkill mode in various denominations. Clearly, the wrong sacrament is the application of wonder bread and tap water. That's his opinion. That's what he says. So thank you, Patrick, Mr. Humble, Moira, and 1325T. Love these insights. And you're, and I love the fact that you can express it, and I hope that other Christians can hear it. You're hearing from uh, uh, two Mormon people, I'm guessing. I could be wrong, but it seems like they're LDS, and they're saying this, the sacrament means something to me, and this is what it means. And what they say, that's as reasonable as what other people and their communions and their Eucharist say. So in terms of that alone... Um, I don't have a problem. Next week on Monday on the presentation part, we're going to show you what problem I have with LDS sacrament. And that ought to convince you why there is something off with it. Uh, but nevertheless, in just the partaking of elements to remember Jesus and uh, to take upon his name symbolically. Okay, whatever it is. Uh, really quickly, before I get to the criticisms and the calls, um, General comment, Dwayne wrote, Joseph Smith could not have had the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was the promise to the elect until the coming redemption. I don't have a comment on that. I'm not sure exactly what Dwayne means, but I wanted to read it. And Strong All Along 89 says, When they roasted the lamb, were there certain don't-go-there rules established, or was it a no-holds-barred kind of roast of the lamb? Now, I think what Strong Along 89 is suggesting here is, Sean, you're saying, look, 
there's, there's no rules to this. Whatever's going to happen, go along. So he's taking us back to the Old Testament and he's asking me rhetorically, hey, was, it a, was there a don't go there type of approach to sacrificing the lamb during the Passover meal? Or was there a do whatever you want kind of attitude? They were exact in the rules. God was exact with the children of Israel on what they were to do and how they were to do it when they killed the uh, lamb and put the blood on the doorpost. That was an exacting thing. Um, there were exact rules on when Jesus offered himself up as the Lamb of God. No bone was to be broken in his body, just like there was no bone to be broken in the Lamb that was sacrificed with the children of Israel. So there were exacting rules. And even in the New Testament times, in that age, there were exacting rules given by Paul on how to do communion. We find those in First and Second Corinthians. So there were exacting rules all along. However... There was also the rule that Jesus gave Paul that says, do this until I come. And once that was done, the exacting rules of communion that all the churches are trying to say they are doing it right have gone out the window because we don't need those material uh, reflections in our worship. We don't need them, but uh, they're not commanded of us. But I'm not saying they're not a good thing. And I said that last night. Okay, let's go to Andy in Burley, Idaho, on line one, Andy, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Stan, how are you? Good, how you doing? Good, good. Um, I have a, a lot of questions for you, but uh, I, I really think about it. Um, I may have to call you back a few more weeks, but uh, so probably writing down what I want to say, but my biggest question for you is, uh, do you believe that what you're doing is, uh, is of God? Oh, my brother... Uh, I, um, from the bottom of my heart, I believe what I do is my best on behalf of God. I know I do things that are not of God because I'm a man. I know I, but I do from my heart believe that uh, my motives are to try my best to do God's will in what I'm doing. Yes. Well, uh, you know, I, I don't think that, that you're a bad guy or, or you're an apostate or, or anything that, uh, anything negative, but you know, I believe you are, uh, you are a very good Christian. Um, the thing is, is that, uh, I, I don't know if, if what you're doing is of God only because uh, I heard your testimony and, uh, the same thing happened to me in reverse. You know, I mean, Mormonism is in my life. And I mean, why, why is the, the Maccabees, why is not the Book of Nathan, why is, why are those books not in the Bible? Well, because the, the emperor voted them out. I see. And I mean, man's hands are all over the Bible. That doesn't mean that I don't believe in it. But I'm just saying is that you have your faith in this, and... For your for for, this, for for your reasons, you hold on to them, you know, and you, you say all these negative things to to try to drive people away, and it's, I I don't think that's that's productive. If you find happiness, if you find peace in your life, I think that's that's what you're supposed to do in this life, you know. I don't I don't know if if it's a bad. I, I'm not trying to say that you're a bad person, you know. Just like you, I'm a I'm a bad I'm a bad person too, you know. What I mean, but uh. 
But I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't see that this is of God. I mean, this is like nitpicking. You know, it's just I'm right and you're wrong. I yeah. mean. I understand what you're saying. Uh, I really do, Andy. And and here is my approach. If you want to pursue Mormonism and, and live it and believe it makes you happy and that's the value in it, you're, I, I love you as a human being. And at my earlier shows, I've been very antagonistic. But I will say this. Uh, my intention is to free people from bondage. And I, and I believe that perhaps, perhaps, in your case maybe, you don't realize the bondage you're in. And let me ask you a question, okay? Okay. What would you do? Do you have any children? Yes, I have two. Okay, let's say you have a teenage son. And you go to him and you say, son, you've been, you've, you just seem different to me. And he says, well, dad, I'm smoking a lot of pot. And I love it. And it makes me happy. And it makes my life better. And I just love it. And so, I, I, you know, I know you don't probably like it, dad. But the pot is making me happy, and to me, it is true. Now, you notice something about him that he doesn't see in himself. And so you try to articulate that to your son, but he says to you, you don't understand. You know, what you're doing is trying to just break me up from something that makes me happy. And so, and it's, it's the same thing with someone who reaches out to anybody in a totalistic methodology. If you try to reach somebody who's a Marxist or somebody who was working for Hitler or somebody who's involved in something, they, if you they... Do you know that Hitler was a Christian? What's that? Do you know that Hitler was a Christian? Uh, I'm not sure I understand. Does anyone here... Oh, no, 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 not, not at all. But there were things that Hitler did that were very good. He was against burlesque. He didn't like drinking. He had a lot of very good moral values that the people loved. And that's my point is I am trying from the honest, my honest heart, Anthony, uh, Andy, to express to you things that you might not see because you're in the forest. You haven't stepped outside of it to see. I, you know, you don't have to agree with me and, and you may go to heaven quicker than I do. But I just want to tell you there are things and, and test me, challenge me. Take the things I say that you say that is wrong and go do your research and prove and then call me and say, Sean, you said this. This is wrong. And let's talk back and forth. Is that OK? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of your videos and there's a lot of things that I can't disprove. And like I said, there's a lot of things in the Bible that can be disproven. There's a lot of things done in the name of Christ that are very unchristian. I mean... And and now in hindsight we could say and and, and look at them and say that they're wrong, you know. Yeah. That, that was also you know to to alienate the the LGBT community to 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 to, to do the crusades to to you know attack the Native Americans in the name of God. You know what I mean? I I tell you so what. We have, we, we have other calls that are waiting, Andy. But this, let's just do this. My email, Sean at Alathia Media. It's on our website. You send me one thing. Let's just do one thing at a time. You send me, Sean, you are wrong about this. Give me your arguments, and then I'll send you back, I promise, a written response as to why I see what you actually, absolutely believe I'm wrong about, why I see it the way I do. You test it, and we'll do it that way. Okay. All right, brother. Thank you so much for calling, Andy. Well, thank you, Sean. Have a nice evening. You too. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to Kathy in, in South. 
That's all it says. Kathy in South, what's up? Hi. Hi. Is it is this Sean? It is. Well, but you're talking to another person online. I know that. Oh, so, so I don't. I'm confused. You are. How come? Oh, there's a third. There's a thirty second delay, Kathy. Oh, okay. So okay. you have to turn down your watching device and it's just off. talk to me. Yeah, okay. All right. Um, I just wanted to tell you, you know, this, this other caller, if he would just listen to A Knife to a Gunfight. Oh, my goodness. I've listened to it four times, Sean. I cannot leave it alone. Whoa. It's absolutely fantastic. I wish the whole world heard it. It would just be so nice. <laughs> Well, it really th- would. And I got to talk to my daughter, who's, uh, bless her heart, she's very strict Mormon, and uh, got to talk to her. Finally, she asked me what I did believe, and she said, Mom, it just can't be that easy. There are works we have to do. And I said, to me, that's works of love. That's what we are to do now is to love. And she, she can't get it, but you know what? The seed was planted. Amen. So I... So I leave it there, and um, it just, I love what I'm learning, and I just wanted to plug a knife to a gunfight. It's incredible, absolutely incredible. I just wish that that it had went from one to two to three to four on YouTube on my TV. It's backwards. If I listen to chapter two, then it goes back to chapter one, and then I run out of my scrapbooking room and change it, and uh, but it's been fantastic. I will probably listen to it a hundred times. I, I can't uh, leave it alone. Thank you for that and, and I, glorious endorsement. <laughs> the check is in the mail. Uh, <laughs> hey, Kathy. I, I wanted to tell you, I take the sacrament alone at my house. You you know? Yeah. I, I do it myself when I feel moved upon, and I love it. So That's beautiful. You know, I've... It's beautiful to me, and I've had some really beautiful experiences doing that. I don't do it often, but when I feel moved upon, I do that myself. And I am just so grateful to be free in Christ. Praise God. So grateful. Thank you, my sister. We love you. Thanks for your teaching. Thanks. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to Tracy in San Diego. Tracy, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sam. Hi, Tracy. I called a couple weeks ago. I don't know if you remember my voice yet. I do remember. Oh, awesome. Cool. So I had an experience while watching you teach about the sacrament tonight that reminded me a lot of my times as as a child in the Mormon religion. And um, my mind started wandering. And I, you know, after a couple of minutes or so, I started thinking like, oh, no, I'm not like paying attention. And I was wondering if this is a common thing that people experience, like, especially when they're trying to pay attention, not like if they're not interested. That your mind wanders? Yeah, but I want to, like, pay attention, so it's not, like, something that I find boring. Yeah, what were you talking about? (laughs) It's a little joke. Uh, No, you know, I think everybody does that. depends on how much sleep you've had and... You know, if you have a lot on your mind, a lot of worries and woes, it's really hard to pay attention, you know? So I think that's normal, don't you? 
Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Not, not when I'm interested in something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've had, I've been sleep deprived. I mean, I've been in the military and been through so much, like as far as that goes, and I've still been able to pay attention to things that interest me. Like, like I don't have to think about it or work at it. It just like flows through me. Yeah. Well, so, you, you know, maybe there's something to that, you know? I don't know. Maybe it is what I'm saying. Maybe maybe it, you're being confronted with too much or, you know, I don't know, my sister, but... Uh, yeah, I was just, I don't know. It gets me feeling like I'm the only one and, like, that was something that I dealt with. Like, I'm the only one. Like, it seems like everybody else is paying attention or, like... No, they're not. You should come here at campus and watch our crowd. I'm giving my best stuff, and they're up, getting up right in the middle of it, and eating bagels, and spilling coffee, and they don't care. So we all do it. You're not alone, Kath. You're not alone, Tracy. Oh my God, the morning guilt—it still affects me. Don't let it, my sister. Hey, thanks for calling. All right, thank you for taking my call. Keep going, girl. We love you. Bye bye. Right. We're going to Eric in Salt Lake City. Eric, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, Sean. Um... I am coming out of what has been a pretty brutal faith transition over the last few years. Uh, having been a Latter-day Saint, I guess I would largely consider myself ex-Mormon at this point. And what, I, what I'm trying to figure out is, is kind of where to go from here. And specifically what I wanted to ask you about tonight is you know, salvation. I, I was a missionary in the South, so I'm... I'm, I'm pretty familiar with that concept as far as a lot of the Southern Protestants believed it. Um, but I, I listened to your, your, your show um, a couple of months ago with Lindsay Hansen Park, and there at the end you were kind of talking to her about some of your thoughts on the, on the topic, and I, I just I, I wanted to get a better idea of how is it that we become saved? I mean, is there something I need to do in order to secure that? Okay, this is a great question, Eric. I really appreciate you calling because it's timely. Uh, uh, number one, we've done three, four parts in the past month called he Hear Me Out 1, 2, 3, and 4. And on Hear Me Out Part 3, I explain what I believe is the uh, most reasonable explanation of salvation uh, from the Bible. So if you have a, a 45 minutes or an hour to, to watch or listen to that, that will answer it better than anything. But let me give you the summary. When, right. they, when they talked about being saved in the New Testament, they were primarily talking to the Jews and some Gentiles about being saved from the destruction that was coming upon Israel, specifically Jerusalem, in 70 AD at the hands of the Romans. So the apostles were saying to them, if believe, confess Jesus with your mouth and you will be saved. Most of those references are to being saved from physical coming destruction. That's the first point. The second point is, is there's a handful to two handfuls of great passages, which we cover in that show I mentioned, that explain that Jesus has saved the world. You have been saved by Christ and his uh, efficacious work on the cross on your behalf, my behalf, atheists' behalf, Catholics, Muslims, Buddhists, whatever. It's all saved from, heaven, from hell to a heavenly realm. 
That's the second point to consider, and that's what I see in Scripture, and I'm not alone in that. The third point to make uh, mention of, Eric, is that you are in charge of if you want to follow God in Christ in this life by faith. That's a very different category from the world that has been saved by his shed blood. If you are that, it requires this faith on him and what he's done. And then to let God work through you in love for all people. That's different than being saved. That is becoming a son and daughter, an inhabitant of the new Jerusalem that is on high. So those are the three main things to understand about it that you won't get because most people don't believe that it's all fulfilled in Christ and that he saved the world. They always tack on, you've got to say this, you've got to do that, you've got to believe this. And if you watch that show, I think it will help you see that is not the case from the Bible. Well, I'll definitely watch that. I appreciate that, Sean. And, you know, I, I want to thank you for your ministry. Certainly, it's been, uh, it's been instrumental in my life, so I, I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Eric. I really appreciate you watching and calling. You bet. Take care. Okay, bye. A uh, question offline, Dwayne Dahl Jr., Sean, could you explain, if you haven't yet, why we should not do sacrament anymore in a fulfilled eschatology so others, hold on, would understand? Okay, Jesus told Paul, and Paul writes this down, and Paul says, this has been revealed to me from the Lord. Take, eat, this is my body. And he describes how to do communion, uh, the Eucharist sacrament at that time. Take, drink, this is my blood. Do this in remembrance of me until I come. That's what he says. All right. Why until I come? Because after that time, when Christ comes, God says in scripture, I have to level everything that can be shaken down to the ground. I have to, I have to just, the temple, the, the priesthood, the, everything has to be leveled so that the new age, the new testament can begin. And the new testament is not based upon material religious affectations. The, the new testament is built on the spirit of God entering into individuals, he being their God, they being his children, and following him by that spirit. And so God says, in order for that to happen, I have to shake everything that can be shaken in heaven and earth. This is in Hebrews 12, 12 or 13, I'm not sure which one. I will shake it all down, so the only thing that can remain is what cannot be shaken. So, Jesus comes, this is my eschatology, in 70 A.D., as verified by Jesus, the apostles, and most secular writers who cover all the bases. And if you watch our uh, study of Revelation, you'd know this. And he comes and he takes his small bride that the gates of hell could not prevail against. And he takes that church bride with him. And they are taken into the new Jerusalem. And, and so that ends the former age. How do we know? Because everything was destroyed at that time that's materially based for the nation of Israel. The only thing that remains now are spiritual things. Now, it doesn't mean that Christ wasn't material, and it doesn't mean that the communion then wasn't material. I'm not an anti-materialist. 
The material world's very important for us to live in and learn and experience and grow. I mean, God made it, so that's not my point at all. My point is when it comes to the faith, it's all between God and the individual by the Spirit, you see? And so when we go back to shakeable things, like communions, Eucharist, sacraments, we have to decide, well, how do you do it? And so then you have the Orthodoxy who says this, you have the Catholics who say that, you have the Presbyterians who say this, you have the Mormons who say that, you have people who say you don't need to, you have people who say you should do it, how often do you do it, who does it, what priesthood's blessing it, should it be passed, should it be wine, should it be water, and all of those material things split people up. And we're no longer loving each other as believers and followers of Christ. We are dividing over how to do communion, a material uh, thing. So that's why it's not an essential. Just like water baptism is not an essential to salvation. It's not an essential to being a son or daughter of God. It's a great thing. I love it. We just did one last a uh, couple days ago. But it's not an essential. But if you make it an essential... It's a material application in the religious world today. If you make that essential, you divide over how much water, what age, who can do it, what do they have to say, Jesus' name alone, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, la yada, 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 and the fighting. That's why God has taken the good news after that former age was destroyed and said, I'm going to establish a new testament. This is from Jeremiah. It's not a book. New Testament, it's not, it's not a book. The New Testament is what God will write in your individual heart. You can choose if you want to do communion in your home like Kathy did. And we say, praise God, Kathy, that's a beautiful thing. You can go to a church that doesn't do it. You can go to a church that does it. Whatever. It's between you and God. You're responsible for that relationship. When you die and take your last breath, you will go to God. You will be responsible for the things that you chose to believe and do. You will not take your pastor with you. You're not going to take your membership record and show him. You're not going to take what communion you did or the matter of baptism because you have the Catholics doing one way and the Baptists doing another and this and this and this and this and everybody's going to go to God and show him a different one. That's why he destroyed material religion. Now, it's really insulting to people who love material religion. They hate this message. They say that I'm uh, a Gnostic. They say that neo-Gnostic and I'm an antinomian and that I'm a non-materialist. That's not true. Those are all pejorative terms apply, assigned to me that are not true. All I'm saying is that when it comes to this beautiful faith, this great news, that God had a better way to do things once material religion was destroyed. And that better way is laid out in Scripture. And part of that is when we see little signals like uh, Jesus saying, do this until I come. Because then you say, well, why would we not continue to do it? Because there's divisions over it. And God does not like division among his children any more than a set of parents like it when their kids fight over ridiculous things, right? So that's the reasoning behind it, Dwayne. Great question. From the criticism side, we have from Storm and Mormon 6 said from last night's show, out of the cave of Mormonism, straight into another cave of religion. He's talking about me. Please open your eyes and see the falsehood of religion. I think I have, Storm and Mormon. Uh, I have seen the falsehood of religion, and that's why we preach the message that we preach. He says, Edit, I was raised, uh, born and raised Mormon, if you couldn't tell by my name. I am, however, educated and now atheist. 
And listen, Storman, uh, Mr. Mormon 6, you're welcome to be an atheist in my world. Uh, that's your choice. You're responsible for that worldview. You've decided that that's what your heart wants and seeks and validates through what you read and see in the world. That's your choice, brother. I love you as a former Mormon. I love you as an atheist. That's the call on the Christian's life. I am not a religionist, my friend. If you think that because I follow Christ Jesus, that makes me a religionist, I think you and I should talk sometime because I think you're misguided on that. But nevertheless, that's Storm and Mormon. And finally, we come to Michael Lee. Michael Lee is a man who gets on uh, online with our shows and he types out very long, protracted arguments and he's given us five. I'm going to try to summarize them down and respond to them so that we can be fair to Michael Lee. He says, there's a significant problem with Sean's hypothesis, talking about the sacrament uh, presentation last night. The second temple of Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 AD, but the Gospel of John was written after this event. This is the stopper. For people, when it comes to eschatology, it is the, it's the mind-killing cliche that has been used for 2,000 years. The book of Revelation was written in 90 AD, well after the destruction of Jerusalem. And therefore, we know that uh, fulfillment eschatology is false. I challenge you. I challenge you to listen. We just heard the book, Knife to a Gunfight, mentioned. You can go on our site. You can go to YouTube. Heart of the Matter with Sean McCraney and find the chapter called uh, Dating Revelation, but not marrying her. The dating of Revelation, play on words, not marrying her. The dating of Revelation. Where do we come up with that Revelation was written in 90 AD? Well after the destruction of Jerusalem. And therefore we know that the gospel and the churching of the gospel is going to continue on in a futuristic sense uh, eschatologically. So listen to that uh, program because in it, we lay out about nine different interior proofs in the book of Revelation that prove it could not have been written uh, in 90 AD, that support completely the dating of that book. Now, my, my brother and friend Michael Lee, he thinks of himself as a pretty big scholar, and he writes about how furthermore the book of Revelation was written around 95 AD, and it's very clear that the author did not think that Christ had returned. If the book of Revelation was not written before 70 AD, he is absolutely right. So look, you go and do your homework. You go and you say, was the book of Revelation written in 90, 95 AD? Give me the proofs. And then you put the internal proof from the book of Revelation on the other side of that scale. And I guarantee you, and you can find the internal proofs from that book, listen to it freely, it'll go like that. And Michael's little argument that is passed around by everybody who has not seen the other side is going to just become feathers compared to a, t a ton of gold. All right? Michael's second thing is the Orthodox. He's a, I think he's Orthodox, Greek Orthodox or Russian Orthodox. The Orthodox, he could be Catholic, except as valid, this is correcting me from last night, any baptism performed in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is what he says, and then he goes on to say the Catholics, the Anglicans, they, uh, you can't extend your experience in Mormonism to Christendom as a whole. Just because you've been controlled by the Mormon Church doesn't mean you've been controlled by other religious institutions. So let's just take Michael's words. The Orthodox accept as valid any baptism performed in the name 
of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Okay, so you have this claim. They, they, they accept any baptism. But it's only in the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's the first problem. So what he's saying is that we have it right in that baptisms must be done in the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And we, the Catholics, the Orthodox, the Copts, the Anglicans, we accept any. So we're not so uh, uh, limited in our thinking on this, Sean. You're presenting a false uh, teaching, but actually I'm not. Because you say you must be baptized in the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And most people hearing that will say, well, that's true. Because didn't Jesus in the Great Commission say, hey, go ye forth and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Didn't he say that? Well, one, that passage is, is up to some great scrutiny when it comes to the original text. Okay, that passage, the insertion of Father, Son, Holy Spirit there, that Jesus said that. It's really something that scholars say, we're not so sure that was in the original text. Okay, so he's using that as the, as the proof point. Father, Son, Holy Spirit will accept it if it's done in that way. Why can we say that that point is invalid? Because when you read the book of Acts and the apostles themselves go out to baptize people, they baptize people in the name of the Lord. We don't have one single example in all of the New Testament where any apostle or anybody else baptizes anybody in the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now you tell me, are you going to trust the Bible's narrative that they didn't baptize in that, but they baptized in Jesus' name? That's all they baptized in. They rebaptized in the name of the Lord is what it says. Not Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So you're going to believe the tradition who's taken one set of passages that's uh, questionable out of Matthew, the Great Commission 28. And then are you going to say, we have it right and we'll accept any baptism as long as they do it in those three names when the Bible itself doesn't support that standard? You see, so Michael, he really thinks he's got this armament to come in and attack things. I never get to write back because it takes too damn long. I mean, his stuff is this long. I, I, it just takes forever to write back. So I just let him keep saying the stuff he says. That's why I love this format that Seth and Wendy came up with. Because now I can actually read these things and give you back an answer to Michael's criticism. Let's go to the third one. The Eucharist was understood in basically the same way by all Christians until the Reformation. So as usual, we have the Protestants to thank for creating disharmony where there had been basic harmony for nearly 600 years, 1,600 years. So again, Michael has come up with this premise. We have it right. The Protestants are responsible for all this infighting and division. They upset the apple cart with the tradition of baptizing in the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit because some of them baptize in Jesus' name alone. Or they say that you don't need the priesthood to do it. So Michael is actually saying what my argument is against organized religion. He's saying we have it right. Everyone else has it wrong. And that's the problem with it, Michael. You understand? That's why the material water baptism is not an essential in God's economy of the New Testament when he writes on people's hearts and minds. It's one of those things you can do if you feel good about it. I love water baptisms, but they have nothing to do with salvation. You know, which is what, you know, and if you want to believe they do, fine. Have at it, brother. Go get baptized. Do everything you want with it. I love you the same. But nevertheless, you are posing and everything you write an us versus them mentality. I am proposing a unite 
and forget about these things that allow us to bicker with each other. Let's let Jesus' commandment to love each other really exist as Christians. That's all I'm trying to say. And you can do that. I'm doing it right now. I love the fact, Michael, that you want to follow orthodoxy in the way it says. You have that right. I don't agree with it, but I love you. I'm not going to pick on you for it. But when you come out and you're trying to do this division, I'm going to step in with my denomination, as you claim that I always have. And I'm going to say, look, this, this is breaking people apart, Michael. You, you're not standing on something, especially when your argument is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That is so weak relative to what the rest of the New Testament teaches. So, you know, you, what you, you were really showing us is that you follow traditions of men over the written word, which is standard for orthodoxy. And that's okay. You want to do that? You're responsible before God. Love you the same. All right. Michael Lee, number four, what is exactly wrong with receiving the Eucharist in order to keep oneself holy, he asked. Because last night I said, listen, you don't have to go and receive these elements and as a means to physically remember Christ. It's really great. It's like chiropractic uh, uh, stuff, hands-on, and it's, it's nice and there, there's uh, emotion to it. But you have the Holy Spirit with you to be with you daily. You don't need to participate in these material approaches that religions establish. All the New Testament writers make it abundantly clear that we have to follow the commandments, he says. Love of God and neighbor is not something we can dispense with. I have never suggested you can dispense with that. All I'm saying is that the Spirit of God, which is primary and preferential, the written word is secondary, is secondary and deferential, we defer to it when we have a question between. And uh, the church traditions are inconsequential. Forget about it. You're going by something else. I am not saying that we don't follow. That, that's a non sequitur. That is a, that's, a, that's an absolutely insulting thing you've done here. Is you're saying that because I say we don't need a communion to keep ourselves holy and reminding ourselves of the uh, commandments, that I am suggesting that we don't have to follow the commandment to love God and others. That's unfair. You're not a fair arguer. And so uh, I, I also wonder why you never call in. Because, you're, you, I mean, you write volumes on our site, volumes and volumes and volumes, but you never call in. How come? Finally, he says, I find it frustrating that you haven't noticed yet that you yourself are creating a new denomination. He harps on this with me, back and forth. You are creating a denomination. Uh, and you are teaching people how to live, and he puts in parentheses, antinomianism, which was a teaching way back in the day to live lawlessly, to live without law. Well, when I cite the law to live without law, I'm citing Paul, that we're to be dead to the law. That's Paul who says that, not me. So, because why, what does the law do? It makes you a sinner, Michael. You belong, I'm guessing, orthodoxy. Let me put up a law before you. You shall wear your hood to church on every third Friday uh, of the month. Well, when you give you that law, Michael, you become a sinner in the face of it. Why? Because you look at that law and you say, well, I do that. And those other people don't. I'm better than them. That's sin, Michael. The, the, the law makes you a sinner. You see, Paul points that out clearly. That, I'm not preaching antinomianism like sleep with your neighbor's dog. I am preaching that we are dead to the law and alive in Christ, his spirit, which teaches love. 
you see, wearing the hood every third Friday of the month will not teach love. And it's a law from the traditions of men that you follow. In doing those things, you become a sinner because you're either proud or you're rebellious. Because you'll say, I'm not going to wear that dang hood. And so both are counter to the heart a Christian should have toward God. Do you understand? Christianity, he says, is the material religion par excellence. (laughs) Okay, right there. You show me the example of the Christianity expression, material religion, that is Christianity par excellence. And I'll show you Christianity and someone who's never probably even been in a church, who doesn't even own a Bible, who loves better than the whole history of this material religion you're propagating to us. Your par excellence does not prove historically to have done anything but cause wars, division, hatred, anguish among people who want to just love God. That's because God knew what material religion would do. The Bible tells us over and over again, and he goes on to saying, God created matter, therefore matter is good. Matter is good. Again, that's, a, that's an unfair argument. I, don't, I love matter. God gave us a world of matter, nature, everything. I am not anti-matter. Just when it comes to the faith, because of what material religion was, he destroyed it and he gave us something new. A new Jerusalem, which is on high. A new heaven and a new earth, which is not tangible. Shaking everything that can be shaken so the only thing that can remain cannot be shaken. This is it, where he writes his laws on the hearts, not on parchment, not on stone, on the hearts and minds of those who are his. Those people could be sitting in any church around the world and they're his. How do you know they're his? Because they love Michael. Because they love. I'm sure I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt that you're one of those guys. That you love because Christ is in you. And you're, uh, you practice orthodoxy. Great job, man. Love you. Go forward. Do what you want. You know, and this is what he's calling my antinomianism. And so I want to just end with this final thought. He says, I'm frustrated that you haven't known that you're creating a new denomination. And so this is his mantra. Sean McCraney, McCraneyism. Other guys have called this McCraneyism, rudely called it. Uh, I don't want anyone to follow me at all in anything. Outside of what I do here, I'm not to be followed. I'm a pretty boring, dull uh, person. And I don't want to do anything but what I do. So I don't want any, I don't look for cult following. I don't try to attract people to me. So just stop with that. But he insists this is the case. So I'm going to agree with him. I am trying to start a new denomination. And we're going to end with this right now. But I get to describe that denomination uh, to you the best I can as we wrap this up. My denomination proposes that all material interpretations of, the, of Christianity are both true in places and false, including mine. Always including mine, what we talk about here at campus. There's truth and there's, and there's falseness. That's material religion. God does not give us both of those. By his spirit, he gives us truth. So direct to him is where you get the truth. It's not through the brick and mortars. That's part of my denominationalism. That's what I preach. My denominationalism embraces all other denominations and non-denominations in the world. Whatever they do or teach, that is my denomination. I, I accept that denomination. Okay? I don't agree with everything, but I accept it. 
Other denominations will not do that. You said Catholicism and Orthodoxy accepts all form of baptism in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Well, I accept all forms of baptism in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. No baptism. Baptism for a cat. If someone wants to go out there and say, God wants me to baptize my cat, I'm going to let them baptize the cat, and I'm going to put my arm around them and say, come in, let's learn the Bible together. And if you agree with me, great. If you don't, fine. So that we end the division making. You, that, that's my denomination. That's my denomination. I'm guilty of it. We do not, I do not, I can't say we, I do not believe in attacking individuals. I'll attack institutions, but never an individual for their respective faith. That includes you. My denomination refuses to divide over anything. Anything. I won't participate in it. If we're sitting here in campus and someone comes up and says, that man uh, murdered and raped his family and he's here in our midst, good, glad he's here. That man teaches uh, God is a trinity, thumbs up. That man teaches that you're a heretic and you need to teach baptism by immersion in the name of of Jesus only, hands up, love you. That's the difference between your denomination and all others and my denomination that you claim I'm teaching. I'm not creating a denomination. I'm just reciting what Jesus and God established years ago. That's all I'm doing. It's not McCraneyism. It's called Christianity, if you want to use that term. It is about God so loved the world, he saved it. That's what it is. He saved it. And if he saved it, like we did in part three of Hear Me Out, then it's done. We don't have to divide over anything. That's not new to me. That's not something I've created. That's biblical. No matter what a person chooses, denomination, non, lifestyle, sin, no sin, communion, no communion, dress, you name it. You name it. My denomination teaches as a Christian, we are to love them with agape love. And not allow ourselves to judge them. I trust that God will be the judge. He will be the one who condemns or, or pushes out or brings in. That's his job, not my job, over anything that we allow ourselves to divide. That's my denomination. If it's a denomination, my brother, then so be it. But that's what it is. So if you're going to say, I'm starting my own, call me guilty and let's go forward. John Bystrom, cats don't, cats don't believe in immersion. Awesome. That would be one hell of a baptism, wouldn't it? Bloody. That's phenomenal. Thank you, John, for uh, brightening my night. Thank you all for tuning in. Tune in next Monday night when we do part two of the sacrament and then it starts getting meaty because the full focus is on the LDS sacrament. And I'd love to hear what you have to say. Please write your comments. We'll see you next week here on Heart of the Matter.